0: We continue today on this long journey with Moses and the people of Israel as they have left Egypt and wandered through the wilderness, 40 years wandering, waiting on their day to cross into the promised land. Last week, we left Moses as he died, seeing the prize but not being able to cross over. And Today, we stand on the bank of the Jordan River with those people, getting ready to cross over It's an appropriate day to take up that text, that connotation of crossing over Jordan has uh, connotations for all saints, for those who have gone before us and crossed over. And so we stand with the people today on the Jordan, uh, the bank of the Jordan River as they prepare to cross over. The text says that Joshua is now leading them. Moses and Aaron have died. Joshua is about to lead them. And how are they going to get to the other side of the Jordan River? Joshua speaks to the Lord and God again replies, Choose 12 people. They will be priests for the 12 tribes of Israel and have them take the Ark of the Covenant, hold it on their shoulders and step out into the Jordan River. And as you step out into the river, God says, I will hold back the waters of the river and the people will be able to cross over on dry land. And so Joshua does as he is told. Now pick up the reading from the end of the third chapter and continue into the beginning of the fourth chapter of Joshua. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. And when the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Select 12 men from the people. This is the second time we've been told. Select 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and command them, Take 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, where the place where the priest's feet stood. Carry them with you and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua summoned the 12 men from the Israelites whom he had appointed one from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you shall take up a stone on his shoulder. Now these were large stones. Darren said to me, I noticed for us this morning that you placed small stones back there. It wouldn't do much harm if people threw them at you during the sermon. These were much larger stones that the Israelites picked up. And they carry them on your shoulder, one for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. You have heard the antique story, let us listen now for the word of the Lord. In 1991, the World Memory Sports Council created a world championship competition for memory athletes who competed in a variety of mental sports, testing their minds to the nth degree. I laughed when I read this, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast today. I even had to Google it yesterday to be reminded, the first five digits of the mathematical number pi, some of you know it, 3.14159, but there's a competition for memorizing the digits of pi, and the record will blow your mind. A Chinese memory athlete named Liu Chao set the record in in, in 2005 by reciting, now wait for it, 67,890 digits of pi. Why?
1: That's the craziest thing I ever
0: heard. I told you I can't remember what I had for breakfast. How good is your memory? And how do you remember things? A mnemonic is any mental, is any mental device used to help you remember something. My dad had a favorite mnemonic. He would cross his fingers if we were talking and my dad crossed his fingers, I knew there was something else he wanted to tell me, or if we were in a conversation with the family, he crossed his fingers. There's something else he's trying to remember. When we got through with that part of the conversation, he would go, Well, I wanted to tell you. Something about crossing his fingers helped him hold that thought in his mind until he had a chance to bring it up. Memory is essential, not just sentimental. It's one thing to Get an anniversary or a birthday, it's another thing altogether to forget the loved ones who are to be remembered on those days. If you have cared for a loved one suffering a debilitating dementia, you know that the loss of memory eventually means the loss of independence and dignity, even identity. We need to be able to remember. Now, if you remember, last week, we left Moses staring into that land of promise with God saying disappointing words to him. There it is, but you shall not cross over. So God buries Moses in in, in, uh, Moab, and it comes to Joshua to lead the people to the shore of the Jordan River, which is where we pick up the story today. Now, in bygone years, river crossings were major obstacles. We don't think about that today. We just go across the bridge. Major obstacles for pioneers traveling the country. How do we cross the river? Like Moses, Joshua has an answer. He speaks to God. And God, once again, shows up for the people. As instructed, Joshua selects 12 leaders, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and these priests carry the ark, That is that box that held the the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. They hold the ark and they go across the Jordan. And as they step into the waters of the Jordan, in a great sequel to that miraculous crossing of the sea, the water holds back. It parts and there's dry ground for the people to walk on. From uncertainty to liberation, the people again find their way, crossing a watery chaos on solid ground. Now today, I want you to accept that story just as it is, supernatural, miracle and all. I don't want any skepticism to keep us from hearing a more important lesson. I find it fascinating that they call out those 12 men on the spot. I'm sorry ladies, it was 12 men in those days, with no specific schooling, No seminary degree, no academic instruction or interpretation of Scripture. Apparently not even a ceremony. Smells and bells, the laying on of hands, no conveying of proper ecclesiastical formalities. They just call out these people and name them priests, and the deal is done. I'm fascinated by that, because that's the way we do it. These were the ancient Israelites, but they sound pretty Baptist to me. The church identified those who had shown leadership and that's how we do it. We ordain them, we call them out, presto, you're a deacon. Just like that, you're a minister with all its rights and privileges just because we said so. That's what we do because one of our fundamental Baptist principles is the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers, we have no papacy, no hierarchy, no set pedigree or requirement of of credentials. Each of us, each of you, young people, wherever you are, here, there, young people, every one of us, you are a priest. A full-fledged minister. That's what we believe. Those of us who wear robes are just lucky enough to get to do this as a vocation, but the job is for each of us. So we are not so different from the ancient Israelites, and every All Saints Day is a kind of mnemonic device reminding us of those who have gone before us, those priests among us, whose gifts and graces touch us in tangible ways. All Saints Day, we come and we gather and we remember and we call their names ritualistically, religiously, so we can remember. We need specific days, specific ways to remember those who went before us, leading the way with their lives, those who stood in the troubled waters of life's sorrows and disappointments the heartaches and disasters going before us with lives that have prepared a solid path, showing us the way. Thank God for those priests among us who cleared a path making our way possible. So I ask you today, how good is your memory? Will you remember those who went before us but are now gone from our sight. How long? Will you remember who they were and what they did? How they made a way for us? Will you remember? And how will you remember? Because that moment was so important in the story we read, the people were provided a mnemonic device. The people were told, you need to remember, so take up this rock. It's not magic. It's just a rock, like my dad's crossed fingers. It'll help you remember. The last time I was in Israel, everywhere I went, every place, I picked up a small stone From the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and the Mount of Olives, from Capernaum and Caesarea, from the Temple Mount and the Dead Sea, they're just rocks. But I was there, and these rocks, Help me remember. I hope you picked up a rock when you came in. I hope you've been turning it over in your hand today, wondering what this is all about. We want you to remember. Take it home. Maybe you can write a name or initials, a small symbol on that rock. Keep it in your pocket or set it on your desk. Let it help you remember someone or all the someones on whose shoulders we stand today. It's just a rock. But ours is a mnemonic spirituality with rites and rituals to help us remember. Today, remember those who have gone before us crossing over to lead the way. They are the reason we are here. May it be so. Amen.
1: Is it odd that I find All Saints Sunday one of my favorites of the year? It's laced in mourning and sadness, but there's something about celebrating life and remembering well, and so the sadness and the joyful remembrance go well together for me. Anne Wings wrote her book entitled Psalms of Lament. And I highly recommend it for those who grieve. In the introduction of her collection of her own lamenting, she writes these words. This book is written, she says, for those who weep, and for those who weep with those who weep. That's what I've written today. A good word, a eulogy of sorts, for those who weep, and for those who weep with those who weep. It's been a hard year. COVID-19 has messed up everything. Every single thing everybody hears doing the nod. It's good to hear your laughter, by the way. I have missed that. The rest of us have been laughing when we say funny things. And it's good to see some reaction. And uh, it's always good to read comments, so keep commenting. COVID has messed up everything, and it has claimed the lives, literally, of so many people. And it has claimed the rituals of death, even when COVID-19 has not been a part of someone's death. We've had four deaths in the life of our church since since the pandemic isolation began. None of those families chose to have a service at this time. Maybe later, they said. We understood. And the staff is talking about having one large funeral next year. Maybe on this afternoon, a year from now, we will be able to gather safely again and have a big funeral for everybody that has died while we cannot be together. We need a place to mourn and to celebrate properly And you will have people in your own lives, if you've not already, to die and no funeral was had. We should have one big funeral where we tell all the stories and remember well and light candles and give thanks that our lives have brushed up against theirs. We always say, everyone deserves a good word at their death. A blessing spoken to carry them and us into the blessed hope of a forever presence of God. Yesterday, we gathered here to mourn the loss and celebrate the life of Leslie Bloom's sister. This is how I ended that eulogy yesterday. In the grand connectedness of this life, I understand God to be that sacred center calling us all together and naming us, each one, beloved. In that way, those that have died are now among that great cloud of witnesses as both the recipient of an ultimate love that will not let them go, even while memories linger here among us and within us. There are six women that have died in the life of our church since this Sunday, 2019. Six women will be named in just a few moments as we light a candle and hold some silence in memory of them. The title of what I've written today is, For All These Six Saints. Five of them were here long before Russ and I came as your pastors. Those five were the worker bees and the every time the door was open kind of people. Between them all, they held almost every leadership position, from rocking babies in the nursery, to cooking food, to organizing and decorating, to serving on the education committee. They were the essential workers and the show And I miss them. None were deacons, though they all should have been. The reason they weren't is that they likely declined the nomination, not seeing themselves in the same light that others saw them. The sixth woman in our list of deaths this year joined shortly after Russ and I arrived as your pastors. She and her husband, who was the retired minister from a church that Park Road helped to start many years ago, well, she and he attended every Sunday. Back center is where they sat. She had given her life to the role of a preacher's wife, one that she did not ask for and didn't particularly want, but she did the job, nonetheless. Since she had given her life to that, when they came here, she kind of saw that her life of service in that role was over, and she was here to enjoy retirement without responsibility, but with a deep appreciation to receive the gifts of the church. Without a doubt, these are six saints of our congregation, all women, all in their 80s and 90s, all unable to come to worship for quite a few years, but whose presence we miss more deeply today, knowing that they have joined that great cloud of witnesses. For all these six saints, and for so many more, whose names we will read later this afternoon, Thanks be to God. May it be so.